Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Including marriages. So this weekend we had a powerful weekend conference for couples. For married couples, engaged couples. Powerful. We had Anne and Mike Rizzo from Kansas City coming also to minister to us over the weekend. We poured in. We pour into the couples to make sure that the couples, their marriages are strengthened. So I'd like to thank also Pastor George because with, he is the head of this house and he said, go for it. So I thank you, Pastor George. So I want to welcome here once again, Mike and Ann Rizzo from Kansas City. Now this is a couple that... I have known we had a relationship, a friendship for over 11 years. And the first conference that we had with them, this is about maybe 10 years ago. And some of you that are here have gone to that conference also. So it's time to get back into the groove of things again. Amen. Well, I just want to say hello to all who were not here yesterday that we didn't get a chance to meet And to those who were here, I just have to tell you how loved and cared for we felt, especially me, because I wasn't feeling well, and people just came around me, prayed for me, offered me ibuprofen, just wanted to care. And it just really touched my heart, and I'm very thankful for this place, for this house, and for all of you that are here, because God's got some good stuff for you. Amen. <clears throat> so, Joanne, can we put up that a QR code? You know the QR codes <clears throat> we've been throwing up there? <clears throat> Thank you. So, uh, there's a couple of books we have in the back. So I want to quickly mention it. Um, hey, I know these people here. <laughs> Abe and Elaine, good to see you. Long time no see. <clears throat> so, our book, Vertical Marriage is back there. Now, we're offering a great deal today, folks. So this is normally like, I don't know, 16 bucks on Amazon, Vertical Marriage. And then our other book uh, is Longing for Eden. So both books are back there. You can buy one or you could, or you could buy both for $15, like two for 15 That's the deal for today. And also, uh, Longing for Eden, if you know anybody that prefers to read in Spanish, this is also available on Kindle in uh, Spanish, Longing for Eden. So books are back there on the table. And um, <clears throat> don't worry about the QR codes. We can go right to the pictures if you want. Now, I've got a few photos. There's a photo of, of me and my wife and Louis and Alida. So if we can throw that one up there. Okay, that's kind of, there you go. There, there's, that's like 10 years ago. Yeah, this is the, the Italian mafia. I'm Italian. And the cartel, the mafia and the cartel right there. Don't mess with those people. Lewis looks like he's my bodyguard, and he is. <clears throat> and uh, I really love the uh, leadership here. Um, the team here yesterday was a, a fantastic uh, seminar, marriage weekend. Alita kicked it off, or Lewis kicked it off Friday night. Alita, powerful messages from both of them. And uh, the men's group, men's session I experienced with Keith was really cool. 
I mean, this guy, you know him. He's, he's stealth. He's, he's kind of quiet sometimes. He's cool, but he's lethal. And uh, I like that about him. So these two guys, I, last time I was here, I nicknamed them the dynamic duo because they were just so powerful. So could we throw up that other photo up there? There we go. I nicknamed them the dynamic duo. And not, not too long after that, they sent me this photo. They went out and got the T-shirt. They got the sweatshirt. It was so awesome. So really appreciate them and the leadership here. Thank you for um, having us. It's really been a, a blessing. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention, also, if you want a free book, if you want a free book and you like writing Amazon reviews, I made this offer. If you really like to read and like to write a review on Amazon, I will give you a free book in exchange for a review. So come and see me after. Okay? Yeah. I want to empty my book table before we leave. <laughs> Giving away, buying, either way. Okay. I'm so glad that uh, Rady mentioned David and Saul today in, in what, when she was doing worship because that's what I'm speaking on today. I'm going to speak about uh, David. I'm also going to be talking about um, your story, our stories. And um, when I was back in, in my hometown of Buffalo, New York, anybody from upstate New York? Anybody Buffalo Bills fans? I see that hand. I see that hand, front row. Okay. George, if you're watching, sorry. Um, and anybody, anybody Italian? All right. All right. I like that. All right. And any, uh, any ex, ex-Catholics in here? Anybody raised Catholic besides myself? Okay, so there's a, there's a photo I want to throw up of uh, myself at my uh, first communion. Everybody remember first communion? Yeah. Look at that. So I'm talking about um, story today also because um, that was like 60 years ago. And, uh, you know, I, was, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but the Lord knew me just like he knew you in your mother's womb and all along your life. And he, he knew me then, and he, he knew the kind of story he wanted to write about my life. And he, I'm still in it. And, you know, God doesn't live in time. That's a mystery. So it's like I'm the same person. That's the same person, right? And that's why journey is good, because sometimes it'll take you back to where you need to go for a little more redemption power to come in different segments of your life. And then later on, I, life got, my story got more confusing. The next photo was um, me as a young teenager. Oh, my gosh. See, I was styling back then, and they brought the style back, didn't they? Look at that, whatever they call that. And I, I think I was just, I was, I, my life got darker into my teenage years, and I was so lost until I got saved when I was 21. So, okay, you can take that down. I just want to set a little context because I love the concept of story. God is writing your story. And um, we're going to get into that a little bit today. So I'm going to go into 1 Samuel chapter 16 today uh, and just read a few verses. And I want to talk about David's story and then a little bit about your story today and what the Lord's maybe doing in your life. 
So thank you, Holy Spirit, for today. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you for the saints in the house today. We just thank you. So the Lord says to Samuel, the prophet, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse at Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, Saul. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So you know the story, I'm sure. Seven sons passed before Samuel, and uh, the Lord did not confirm any of them. And so Samuel said, are these all the sons you have? And they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. And so Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. We will not sit down until he arrives. And there's a prophetic urgency in the heart of God and also in the heart of his prophets, of course, for us, over us. And he knew there was a king, but he knew that he hadn't passed by him yet. And it kind of reminds me of another story uh, of somebody named Simeon who was standing watch with someone named Anna, and they were waiting for another king to pass before them. That was their assignment. They were faithful in their assignment. And so Samuel here also, you know, waiting the entrance of the new king. So prophets carry this sense of urgency within them. You know, he's called you. He's chosen you. He knows where he wants to lead your story, how he wants to use your life. Every one of us is a king and a priest. If we're born again, we may not be a national king like David was, but we are kings and priests, and we have a, a long story ahead of us as well. We talked about this in the seminar a little bit. Even in the age to come, we're going to live forever. We're not just going to be on vacation forever. We're going to have ruling assignments in, on the new earth and maybe even on other planets if the Lord has other ideas. We can't say we know for sure. So um, we'll throw up the first slide up there. So the greatest prophet is Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. And his horn is full of oil. And he's been sent out, and he's still in the process of doing this, to call out kings and priests into their assignments. We're all called to a kingly role. And so David was around 16 years old when he was anointed by Samuel, and he would not actually rule as king until 14 years later. Is that the age Jesus started at too? Was it 30? Sounds familiar. So in God's training, there is a selection process and there is a development process. And in my story, I've been a Christian 48 years. I understand this. I understand. Sometimes I want to rush through the development process, get to the place, destination. But... Um, you know, they say God's watch ticks in decades. It's like, okay, any time now, we can move out of this season. But we have to trust his leadership because his leadership is perfect. It just is. And so David, even in the field, he was learning valuable lessons. I think probably was practicing with the sling and the stone, I'm guessing. 
killing whatever little critters were around then, maybe, or maybe just targets. I don't know if you're an animal rights person, maybe just targets. <laughs> and I want to talk about something today that I call um, the other four stones, that I believe David had in his possession four other qualities. We all know he had five stones to begin with. He used one. Now, the other four stones, four things that David had are four principles that I think are important for us to have if we want to be giant slayers. And the first one is David was faithful in little before God gave him much. And when I was a new Christian, uh, there was somebody in ministry at the time uh, named Catherine Kuhlman. She was an anointed woman of God, and uh, I got to be an usher at one of her services one time, and I loved the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we loved all that stuff. And um, I, I can remember as a young believer, um, I would try to see angels in my bedroom when I was praying. I would squint my eyes, and I, would, I, would try, I just want to see an angel, you know, in my, in my immaturity and in my zeal. And uh, I even remember praying. i got to confess this. I remember praying one time for the, the ministry of Catherine Coleman. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I was sincere at the time. You know, I want that, Lord. And I think the Lord knew I was sincere, right? And, uh, but knowing all that she went through in her ministry, and I think I gave up on that idea a little while after that. No, I, don't think, I don't think I want to go through all that. She went through a lot of stuff, a lot of attacks, etc. So David was faithful and little. And, you know, what happened with, with Saul, um, the Lord had departed from Saul, 1 Samuel 16, I'm in verse 14, right around in there, 1 Samuel 16. Uh, and Saul's servant said, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who's a skillful player on the harp. And when he plays, the distressing spirit from God that's upon you uh, will leave and you shall be well. Uh, that's a mystery right there. I have no idea what all that means, that worshiping God sends away the spirit that God had sent. That's just what it says. And so Saul said, provide me the man who can play well, bring him to me. And so they said, talk about uh, David, son of Jesse, skillful in playing, mighty man of valor, man of war, prudent in his speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. So they send for David. He, uh, his father sends him a donkey loaded with food. And David came, stood before Saul, and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. So whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, the distressing spirit, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So David was faithful to this assignment. And I, quite personally, uh, you know, imagine yourself if you're a worship leader and um, looking for a ministry assignment. And uh, a door opens up to serve at a church where the Holy Spirit has left the senior pastor. And everybody knows it. And, but the pastor's battling uh, oppression, demonic oppression from some spirit. And this door opens for you to lead worship at that church. Brady's like, uh, no. I don't think I would uh, prosper very well there, and my, my gifts would be appreciated. I mean, the Lord, you know. So God leads him to function in the area of worship, 
serving this man who was no longer under God's favor. And, and this can be a tough one. When you're living in a situation, uh, it could be a marriage, it could be a work, workplace, it could be different areas of your life where you're like, God, this is not, this place isn't for me. It's too hard for all these reasons. And the Lord's like, well, this is where I want you. Stay with that spouse. Stay with that boss for now. And we talked about surrender today, so we're all covered because we all lifted our hands when Keith said, lift your hands. So but we're all covered. Yes, we'll stay. Uh, meanwhile, David serves that way, and he continues his part-time job uh, with the sheep. He was a busy guy, almost as busy as Lewis here in this season. Okay, so David also, the second thing, is David overcame a non-supportive family structure. And I call this the um, stone of reconciliation. We could throw up that next slide if you got it there. Thank you. So one day David was dispatched by his uh, father to bring food to the troops, and he was just making inquiry amongst the troops. Hey, what's the reward for the person that uh, kills the giant? And his elder brother heard him, became angry, Why'd you come down here? Who have you left those few sheep with? You know, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. He had no discernment, the elder brother. I know the pride and the insolence of your heart. You've come down to see the battle. And Jesus had kind of a similar experience with his own siblings. Um, they told him on one occasion, John chapter 7, uh, leave Galilee, go to Judea, so your disciples there may see the works you do. I mean, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing all these things, show yourself to the world. And the scripture says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So, you know, sometimes those around us are not the greatest encouragers, but they're the people around us for whatever reason. We can't change it. We got to persevere through that and not be hating on them or resentful toward them. We've got to reconcile with them and forgive them along the way. And everyone's tested in two family arenas. Family of origin, all the stuff we grew up with in our own home or in our extended family circle or in our school, in our neighborhood. I mean, there's testing going on. And also church family. Sometimes there's testing going on there. And um, to the natural mind, it makes sense that if you've been hurt, just to avoid relationships. We talked about that yesterday, about walls, relational walls. And um, yeah, that's how to stay safe. Just avoid people or keep them at arm's length all the time. But that's not a good answer. And the truth is, is that we are hurt in the context of relationships, but we are also healed in the context of relationships. That's just how it is. If you want to play it safe and just say, God, I'm just going to stay in my bunker, you're here with me. It's just you and me. All is all we need for healing. Now, you can try that for a while, but eventually we have to be out amongst people. There has to be some element of vulnerability and risk for any journey. If you only want the safe passageways, there won't be much growth there. I'm going to talk about that more and talk about story. 
And I remember as a child, we used to do something called playing in the neighborhood. You guys? And it was, there wasn't human trafficking, kidnapping. We'd ride our bikes a mile away. And as long as I was home and the streetlights came on, I was all right. It was a safe, safer world. And anyway, we used to play hide and seek in the streets behind my house. We used to play hide and seek. And I had this great hiding place. It was in this row of hedges. And I remember I'd, I'd somehow, you know, get up in there. And, and the person that was it, the person looking for everybody, would walk by me. And I'd be like, it's so good. But then they, it t- came time to start the game over again. And I had to come out. And then people knew where I, where I was hiding. So that hiding place was not good anymore, right? And I kind of seen this scenario happen um, a lot in churches that someone will come to a new church, new fellowship, and they'll shake hands and they'll have coffee and small talk and stuff like that. But after a while, you want to get to know people, you know, attend some classes or things or small group or whatever. And um, you have to choose then to either be vulnerable or, or try to keep hiding. And sometimes people will, you know, once people see your hiding places, it's time to move on to another fellowship nobody knows you and you can be a Klingon use that cloaking device you won't be seen Star Trek fans but God knows how to get us out of hiding he does and he's always, he's always kind about it but he's, he's also firm lovingly firm sometimes you know no Mike you're not going to hide not going to hide and the next one The next uh, stone, if you will, is David knew what was right and comfortable for himself. And I call this the stone of uniqueness. And you guys know Saul tried to help things out. Hey, put my armor on. Let me help you out here, son. So David put on all Saul's stuff and he walked around. But he he wasn't used to them, the scripture said. He said, I I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So others may have molded you in the past. To be a certain way, talk a certain way. And you had no choice in the matter, but now you do have a choice. And God wants you to be you, uniquely you. And it's taken me a while to figure who, even who I am. And we touched upon this yesterday a little bit because we all have a false self that we grow up with. Everybody does. And getting to know your true self is a process. I love it. I love it. I love God's definition of me. How it's unfolded in the years. I've understood it. And walking in it now, it's great. And then also, David did not remain in a defensive posture. He took the initiative. And I call this the stone of action. The stone of action. And in 1 Samuel 17, the scripture says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. But a few verses earlier, verse 41, we read that the Philistine came, began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. So Goliath had an armor bearer, a guy that was carrying a shield, but because David acted so quickly, Goliath didn't have time to get his shield to block that little stone that was coming, ding, bounces off the shield. That, that's what would have happened had David been kind of like, well, I'm out here now. Uh, gosh, I don't know, should I make the move? No, he just, boom. 
He was called to that, and he ran fast. And so what I learned from this is that when we delay in the battle, the enemy has more time to scheme and prepare against us. So there's a time when God says to wait on him, we wait. But when it's time to attack, okay, move out. The captain says that it's time to move. And I want to say this. As we get older in the Lord, we should get faster. Now, in the natural realm, how many like Western movies? Okay, how many know Glenn Ford? All right. There's the seniors up here. Glenn Ford. (laughs) He, he, was, he was good in Western movies, and there was one movie called um, The Fastest Gun Alive. And he was, he was, he was the fastest gun alive. He was older now, and the, the young gunslingers, you know, want to see if they can beat him, right? And, hey, let's face it. When you get older, me and Keith know this, Lewis. When you get older, man, you may have been good at racquetball in your 20s. Get every, you catch every shot. Now, let's play racquetball. Oh, man, I, I used to be able to get that shot, but... I move a little slower now, but in the spiritual, it's reversed. The more you mature, you should be quicker. And that just increases. Your speed increases. So I'll just throw up a slide just to review so far. So we got the stone of faithfulness, stone of reconciliation, stone of uniqueness, and the stone of action. We'll just leave that slide up there. Let's just talk about these briefly. So the stone of faithfulness, simple principle, apply what God has already shown you. You know, in marriages, spouses really are relying upon their spouse to, you know, learn stuff and then apply it, not to have to relearn it. I, you know, like, I, didn't you learn that six months ago? Why are you acting this way now? Why are you talking this way? Why are you, you know? So... Be faithful in the little. David ministered to a lousy boss that even God had abandoned. Took care of some sheep way out there, risking his life against wild beasts. He was faithful. Reconciliation. Wounds from the family must be resolved, not buried. If you bury it alive, it's toxic. It'll seep out every time into your life. And what you fail to resolve in your soul goes into what I call the baggage department. Do you ever counsel somebody who's thinking about dating a certain guy or girl or marrying a certain guy or girl? Be very careful. He's got a lot of baggage. Hey, I know her. She's got baggage. What are we saying? They got stuff in them that's toxic or unhealthy. You don't want to go in that direction. And join yourself to that person. Then there's a stone of uniqueness. Don't wear what others put on you. Be who you are in Christ. Maybe someone else's method works for them, but not for you. And that's okay. As long as we're all, you know, in the uh, core values of Scripture, right? Um, we don't want uniformity. We want unity but we don't want uniformity. Everybody's praying the same, talking the same. That's kind of cultish. Right? So I like variety. Variety's good. And then the stone of action. Move towards the place where boundaries are enlarged. 
Don't play defense all the time. I'm not going to get into sports talk here, but there are some teams that have no offense. You can't just play defense all the time. You've got to move. You've got to have an offense. So next slide, just four simple questions. Am I f- faithful and committed to what God has assigned me to do, to my, to my current knowledge? Am I being faithful? Am I growing in meaningful relationships? People need people. Uh, Barbara Streisand fans out there? People, people who need people. We're not going to sing it. Are the luckiest. Okay. We need each other. We do. I'm an introvert. I like being alone and withdrawing into my, into my own space. But we need people. Am I discovering my own identity? And that's, that's kind of ever unfolding in a way, too, because God is so creative. Like, he hasn't played every card with you. I know he hasn't. There's more he's calling you into, more he wants you to be and become. Even just like that little kid I showed you a picture of and that ugly teenager before. God had a plan then. He's got a plan now for this almost 70-year-old. And he will, he will continue to have, at least that, he's that creative. And am I active or passive in my pursuit? It's tough to pray passivity out of a person. I cast out that passivity spirit in the name of Jesus. A week later, that person will be the same. I mean, people have to want to move, want to change. And you can help them by encouraging them, counseling them, of course, praying over them, yes. But you know what I'm saying. There's certain things you just can't, you know, teach uh, all the way through down to the roots. So I want to just... In talking about David, I want to say that there is a David in each one of you. There is a David in each one of us. And there's this famous statue. We can put up the first slide there, the first David statue slide. Um, It's a beautiful statue. I've never seen it in person. But um, the thing with this statue is it was worked on originally. By the way, who sculpted this? Michelangelo. That's right. Good Italian. But there were two other artists that originally worked on the statue. Back in 1464, back in 1465, and both of those artists just abandoned the work because of imperfections in the marble. Now you know where I'm going with this. And it was left for 25 years in its, in its current state until Michelangelo took on the project. It took him two years, and they say that he worked in uh, an open courtyard, but he had security, like it was, a, you know, uh, security there, so people couldn't just come and watch him. And they say he worked even in the rain. Uh, there was an urgency in him. He slept very sporadically uh, with his clothes on, and he rarely ate. There was an urgency in him to, to sculpt this Statue, And I think there's another slide as well. There we go. It's kind of zoomed in in the pouch there. See those four stones right there? And I want to say this about David and us, that there is an urgency, there is a passion in the heart of God for you. And Jesus 
as I mentioned earlier, he's, he's the prophet who, who will seek you out. And I want you to get this, that Jesus is the artist that will never cease his work in your life, no matter the imperfections that exist in you. I, I, just, I just feel that for, for us today. He will never cease sculpting your life, no matter the imperfections that might be there. And like Michelangelo, he, Jesus is working around the clock. 24-7 intercessor, loving on us, wanting to shape our lives. And he knows what you'll look like when he's finished. You know, I, I've heard it said that, um, this is for the singles here. I've heard it said that most people, when they're looking for a spouse, are looking for a finished statue. A guy or girl that's spiritually mature, you know, they've, they've grown a lot, and they're kind of done. Oh, I'll take that one. Be an easier life. But what you should be looking for is a, just a wonderful block of marble. Now, not so you can sculpt him or her, but you got to see what Jesus is sculpting in their life. You see enough of Jesus' work on that block of marble that you see something coming into, into good form, uh, not just physically, but internally as well, in the soul and the spirit. And, and that's what you should be looking for. And they say that when they asked Michelangelo, like, how'd you, how'd you carve this, this statue? He said, I looked inside the marble and just took away the bits that weren't David. Wow. Wow. A freedom. I mean, journey. I'm thinking, you know, and, and I love praying those kinds of prayers. Lord, anything in me that's not of you, have at it. I surrender it. Whatever it takes, whatever the process takes. And fill me with all that is you, right? So the way it works, I'll put up the next slide there. So this is a couple of scriptures. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I'm laying up treasures in heaven. I'm actually making deposits. And, but also I'm guarding the deposit that was entrusted to me by the Lord, by the help of the Holy Spirit. And so this, this principle basically is that, you know, what, what, what God has entrusted, deposited to me, I am, I'm giving it right, depositing it right back to him, laying up treasures in heaven. And just, just kind of like the next slide, I'll sum it up. This principle is that the life which at first was God's deposit with us becomes our deposit with God. It's a wonderful cycle. I mean... All I'm offering back to him and depositing back to him is what he gave me, what, how he gifted me and empowered me. So uh, I, we don't really start much. I mean, God initiates, we respond. Just stay surrendered. Then that cycle will just keep going. It's beautiful. And so we have to always just be taking ownership, so to speak. Um, I love the uh, Matthew chapter 13 
Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field, securing the treasure for himself. So he had to do that because under rabbinic law, if somebody working in a field comes upon a treasure and lifts it out, it rightfully belongs to the owner of the field. So the man arranges to buy the field. So the treasure is a gift, salvation. The treasure is a gift, but the field will cost you. Simple principle. We can't just be treasure pickers as we like to or as it's comfortable. He, he needs the whole field. We've got to buy in all the way. And so, I want to just give what the Lord asks of me. I don't want to be like the rich young ruler who was invited. He could have been in the cast of the chosen if he said yes. But he was too attached to his wealth and went away with a heavy heart. So I want to keep saying yes in my story to whatever he's calling me to. And so, a couple things about story. that uh, My son Jonathan gave me a book a few years ago by a guy named Donald Miller. And he talks about like, like just what story is. And basically, we all like a good story. Whatever show you're watching, you're into season four, you're so hooked because the story's so good. Whatever movies you watch over and over again, like we watch It's a Wonderful Life over and over again because Jimmy Stewart's one of my favorites. Even though I know what's going to happen to George Bailey, it's such a great story, right? And you got your favorites. I mean, you know, whatever they are, Lord of the Rings or Pride and Prejudice for you girls. You can watch it over and over again. You know what's going to happen, but it's just so delightful to watch it. Right, ladies? I mean, but whatever you all watch down here. But the whole point is that it's all about a character who wants something or a character who has to overcome conflict, right? That's the basic structure. There has to be a character arc for a story to be good. That's the whole point of the story. And Donald Miller says, uh, and I'll put this slide up, there's something about stories, he says. Um, they're entertaining, but he says it's more than that. It's, it's a thing in us that empties like a stomach and needs to be filled again. So just like you keep eating every day because you're hungry, right? That's, how, that's what we desire in the, in the area of just story. We're all made. We all have a storyline. God's got it actually scripted out. The writers long ago scripted your story, and there's variance to it, depending on our responses, of course. But um, my personal story, my marriage story, my family story, um, I'm the main character. You're the main character in your story. What's your character arc like? There's going to be conflict, or we won't even stream your story. I mean, you're not going to watch Born 2, Born 3, whatever, if there's no danger and action, and you know he's not going to get killed, but it's got to look like he might get killed. That's what makes your story interesting. Right? We, we don't want just a boring, you know, story. And so the ambitions that we have in life, whatever you want, 
will become the story you live. And if you want to know what a person's story is about, just ask them what they want. What do you want? If we don't want anything, we are living boring stories. That's one reason why people backslide or leave the faith or deconstruct their faith. Their Christian story has lost its pizzazz. It's lost its interest to them. So I love my story. I mean, I do now. I love every part of my story. <laughs> I told, told the folks yesterday about some of my story experiences that I didn't like, where I was angry or upset or depressed. And, and that's real. There's people today that are battling all different areas, physical areas, you know, emotional areas. And, of course, we want freedom. That's all part of the story. All part of the story. And so the whole, the whole idea, I think the scripture says, the whole idea is that we're supposed to be going from glory to glory. Right? And it's not just going to be skipping from mountain peak to mountain peak. I think you have to go down the valley a bit and then climb up again, something like that. And so sometimes, you know, did you ever see those flat escalators in the airport? You just get, I'm not going to do a moonwalk here, but I wish I could. Front, I, wish, I wish I could just, you know, you're just, you're just, you're walking real slow speed, but that escalator uh, is carrying you. It's kind of cool. Have you all been on one of those? It's kind of it's neat. And there's some seasons in our, in our Christian life that are like that. And we'd like those seasons to be the long seasons. <laughs> I'm going from glory to glory. This is great. This is great. But then, you know, sometimes it's not always like that. And uh, it's like the old guy that said he uh, walked to school uphill both ways back in the day. You know, so. so the in-between times in our stories are the most strategic. So we keep connecting the dots during the dry spells, during the times of testing that are just really, really hard. And this author, Donald Miller, he calls that the hard work of the middle. The hard work of the middle. Stay in your marriage. Stay in your job if God's not telling you to leave. Stay in your life. The ultimate tragedy is when a person takes their own life because they don't believe they even have a story anymore. I'm not going anywhere. I don't see any dots connected nowhere. But I think about John the Baptist as an example. Jesus said he was a great man or something like that, right? You know, his life first converged with Jesus. You remember how old he was? Someone tell me. When he first encountered Jesus. In the womb. In the womb. And I think he got filled. He got filled. Uh, he heard Mary's voice, or Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, and John got the download right there. The moment the sound of her, her uh, greeting touched Elizabeth's ears, right, uh, he was filled with, with joy. Three decades later, okay, three decades later, John says, said, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Wow. 
So it's like John, I guess, kind of kind of heard or sensed Mary's voice that she was carrying the presence of God, right? And he he got joy, and now he's now he's again because he's heard Jesus's voice. He said, "Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled." He must increase, I must decrease. So, so the dots of joy were connected for John. That was a 30-year line. <laughs> I hope that the dots for you aren't that long. But there are people in other countries, there are people in prison for their faith, there are people in all kinds of storylines. It may not be the most comfortable but they're staying in their faith, right? So in between for John was the hard work of the middle. He uh, grew, became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So he grew strong in the wilderness. He grew strong in the wilderness. I love wilderness teachings. I'm sure you guys have done some of those before. Like, wilderness is good. Now, there's a directed wilderness that God leads you into, and there's a wandering wilderness. So make sure you're in the right wilderness. Pick the right door. <laughs> and the hardest thing about the in-between seasons is that they become the new normal. And... Person's not getting well, the child's not getting well, the marriage isn't really improving the way I want it to, job, my personal life, personal goals, my finances. That's the hardest time to endure. But we gotta have that enduring faith. And the enemy wants you to believe that your situation is a defeated ending. It's never gonna change. But God says it's just a passageway. It's just a, a path that you're on, and I'm with you. Now, I shared a little bit uh, yesterday. Am I doing okay with time? So Lewis has all these schedules. He shows me these schedules. I'm like, wow, this is all. <laughs> I'll try and fit. So I shared a little bit of my own, my own upbringing, and uh, I, I had a really easy life compared to a lot of stories I've heard in the counseling room, 40 years of counseling. I've heard stories that are like, wow, wow. My life was like, you know, easy. But I had my, my woundings, and basically uh, an absent father was my deal, you know. Uh, he was always gone, and um, I, I don't, just don't remember much of anything, really, sitting on his lap reading a book, wrestling with them, uh, very little interaction, you know, a few things here and there. And, and um, so I was with my mom a lot, and basically I had this core lie that I uh, had basically imprinted on my life that was basically said, you are not worth spending time with. Kind of a shame-based, you know, core. You are not worth spending time with. And that led me just to form a paradigm of thought growing up, uh, high school years, I was Napoleon Dynamite, the prequel. That was my life. I was just a kind of whatever, dorky, kind of mainly introverted, always you know, not involving in any activities because I felt that who I was was not enough. I didn't believe in me. 
And the background screen of, of my life was just kind of a running commentary that, you know, you're underperforming. Even in the ministry, all these years I've been in the ministry, 40 years, plagued here and there by, by my Goliath, my Darth Vader has been, you know, you really should be doing more. You're really underperforming. Um, therefore, you are ineligible. You don't qualify. And so I, I, have, I have, like, busted out of those chains, um, you know, uh, over the years. Uh, but those are still my default. Um, I still have them under surveillance. Because if, you're, if we're not careful, even the things we've overcome, so the enemy knows yeah. and the defaults are still potentially dangerous. So whenever I even get tempted in that way, I'm on it. I'm on it. I try to be right on it right away. And so um, I was in the ministry, our first ministry assignment. We were, we were pastoring in this church, big church, um, for 10 years. Little Justin was eight years old at the time. And um, we, we thought we'd be there for life. I was running, overseeing the counseling department. I was teaching in the, in the, in the Bible school the church had. I was set. And then the pastor one day uh, suggested to us, told us, actually it wasn't a suggestion. He said, I think you guys should move on. And it's time to spread your wings. And um, pastor your own church. And then we weren't asked what we thought about it. We were just informed. And... Um, so anyway, long story short, we um, got, got accepted to a candidate at this church in a nearby city from where we lived there. And um, yes, yeah, so I went from a big church with great worship like y'all have here to a small church of about 30, 40 people that was old school Pentecostal. Uh, piano organ. Yeah, I was like, it was like back to the future. It was like... Where am I? I was a raised Pentecostal. What is this? I love organ. I love piano, but it just wasn't doing it for me. Um, I wish I had Keith's humor. I could make a few more jokes on that. He's so good. I mean, he is so good. Um, so uh, I, 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 we went there, and uh, I was angry at God. And if, if I'm honest, uh, the first few months I was there, I was in the sanctuary, and I'd be Pacing this sanctuary, I'd be praying expletives. I was being honest with God. I don't recommend this, but if that's what you're feeling, I don't think God, I think God already knows it and he can handle it. So I was just like, what the, you know, in my prayer life. And uh, so we um, learned some things there. We ended up staying in that little church, pastoring the little church for um, for a while, and I actually, when I first went there, I actually went for therapy to a Christian counselor. I didn't know until the first session that she was an art therapist. So the first thing I had to do was make a collage. You don't know what a collage is? Big piece of poster board. You got to cut out pictures from magazines. She gave me a stack of magazines and cut out the pictures that express your feelings. Now, guys, right, guys were like, the women are like, oh, that's great. The guys are like, really? So I wish I would have saved that. I wish I would have saved that collage. And I, um, then I had to do some other assignments. 
I had to do a photo box and find old photos of myself as a child and up through the years and put it in this little photo box and outside. I had, I had six sessions, and we didn't pray. We didn't read scripture. He was just trying to get me out and expressed in some creative form. So what we try to do with our, with our, with our children. You know, we want to know how they're feeling, where, the, where their heart's at. Tell me, you know. We want so after six uh, sessions, she gave me her diagnosis. And she said, you're grieving. You're grieving. So that church that I was at, I was actually there 18 years. It was my first church. Was Ten years were on staff, and that, that senior pastor was my father in the faith. And he gave me the left foot of fellowship. Looking back, it was the Lord. Looking back, at the time, it was like, my story absolutely sucks. Looking back, it was like, the Lord was making more of a man out of me. Because when you're the senior pastor, it's different than being on the staff. I had to run board meetings. I had to use Robert's rules of order. I didn't even know what that was. We need a motion on that. Second, what is this? And there was mainly, mainly old people. I was 39 years old when I took the church, and it was mainly old people like me. And I learned how little I loved. I mean, that was like an x-ray of me put up on the light board. All right, Mike, here's where we need to work on you. Here's why I brought you here. So I thought I was great lover of people. But when they couldn't give me what I thought I needed, when I wasn't getting the strokes, why love the people that can't give you nothing in return? Whoa, the Lord was, Holy Spirit was on that one. And so I had 10 years there of, uh, <laughs> we, we had some growth. The Lord blessed us financially. It was a cute little church. And, you know, uh, that's where uh, Justin was our little drummer. The worship team, we led worship for years. I mean, I play guitar. We led worship. Justin was our drummer, and my son John was on the keys, and our daughter even sang with us. We were the Von Trapp, Von Rizzo family. <laughs> and then I hit a wall. I'm just telling you a little bit of my story. We all, we all have stories. And after about 10 years in that church, it started to dwindle in terms of attendance. And on a Sunday morning, there was like, you know, like the first three rows here dozen people or so. It was a pretty good-sized church. And I came to a place where I, I actually thought I was having an emotional um, meltdown. I was emotionally just very fragile. I felt like I was, yeah, going to lose it emotionally. And so I closed the church and turned it back over to the denomination. And uh, this is not a resume builder for a pastor. <laughs> Let's see here, Mike. Looks like you closed this church here. <laughs> So I got a job uh, at Bank of America. I worked in a call center. Good morning, Bank of America. How can I help you? Good morning, Bank of America. How can I help you? Servicing mortgages. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly as I was sitting in my cubicle one day. In her audible voice, the Lord just spoke and said, for now, this cubicle is your crucible. You know what a crucible is, you know, the pharmacists use, I think, they, they beat down pills or something, crush things. Crucibles are great in the hands of the Lord. And so I, I was there for four years, and I call that my Joseph's prison years. 
And um, it was a part of my story. I love it now. Hindsight is wonderful. And that was a purging season, a refining season. The Lord brought up more toxic junk from me. I mean, that's what he's targeting. He's not targeting. He doesn't want just church attendance and all kinds of other, you know, spiritual activities as good as they are. He's looking for transformation. Glory to glory. And we have limited bandwidth. Our souls are not infinite. So if I got storage rooms that are under lock and key, like no admittance, and I say, Lord, you can have all this here. Here's your area. He's like, well, I, I need more bandwidth. I, I, need, I want to enlarge your heart. I want to go further in you. I want to go in those, those places there. Right? And so I endured that season, and then the Lord brought us to IHOP 16 years ago. And, there, and then there was stuff that happened there, too. I'm not going to go into all that, but there was challenges there as well. It's like, what the hell? Oh, oh man, then I finally learned there's a character arc. There's got to be things to overcome. Or you won't even stream your own story. No, I'm not going to pray trials and hardship on you. <laughs> that, that's, all, that's, already, that's already enough there, I'm sure. Uh, but um, I want to I um, basically um, pray, for, pray for us today. And um, I, asked, I asked the worship team. There was a song they did um, over the weekend. What's it called again? Canvas and Clay. Canvas and Clay. And it talks about, what's it talk about, Shell? It talks about, like, Potter, clay, he's forming us, shaping us. So I want to I ask for all the Davids in the room to stand with me. That's everybody. And I, I, just, I just want to uh, pray for, you know, Keith's already, you know, done it. I'm going to do it again. Just that we would just surrender. Your story is good. Even if it's the hard work of the middle, even if it's not exactly how you want it to be right now, I think the Alpha and the Omega sees way ahead, right? I mean, Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I think he sees my story and your story, and he knows what he's doing. And so I want to bless your stories today. And um, so... I just want you to open up your heart, and as we go into the song, then um, we'll, we'll just pause somewhere in there and get into some prayer time. But, yeah, you all go ahead whenever you're ready. But thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.